and welcome to the Unfuck Your Biz podcast, a show for creatives to encourage and inspire through actionable legal, tax, money, and business topics. I'm Braden Drake, an author, lawyer, tax pro, and educator. If you are ready to get your legal and tax shit legit, you are in the right place. But before we fully dive in, here is a quick word from my sponsors. This episode is brought to you by my free training, The Three Legal and Tax Mistakes Made by New and Experienced Business Owners and How You Can Avoid Them. Here's the thing. There's a few key things we've all got to do to make sure we unfuck our biz. I've seen all the mistakes and I know how to help you get past them. So here's what I want you to do. Go to www.unfuckyourbiz.com, sign up for the free training, watch it, and do at least one of the homework assignments I share in the masterclass. Promise? Okay, now let's dive into the episode. Hello, and welcome to episode 11 of the Unfuck Your Biz podcast. My name is Brayden, and as always, I am your host. Thanks so much for tuning in. And in this episode, I'm going to be chatting with my good friend, Elle, who is the owner of Styled Stock Society, which is a stylish stock photo membership for women entrepreneurs. Elle also runs an Instagram account for her dog, Mochi, which you can follow at Mochi in the City. Mochi currently has 103,000 Instagram followers, and I just wanted to put this in here just for fun. I was going to tell Elle that my goal for 2000. 19 is to make more money than mochi so at the end of the year we're going to compare pnls okay <laughs> i'm only halfway kidding but we're talking we're basically talking about money on this episode so i felt like that was a fine joke okay so before we dive in i do want to let all of you know that i have three master classes coming up next week they are on the 20th and 22nd and you can go to getyourshitlegit.com to register we're gonna be talking about the Unfuck Your Biz framework and we'll be tackling some of your biggest money and LLC questions. So again, getyourshitlegit.com, go check it out. I would love to see you there. So now we'll kind of dive in. In this episode, we are likely gonna throw around some specific terminology. Uh, I'll do my best to define it as needed, but we're not going to give like all the definitions for some different terms we'll throw around like caps and taps and that sort of thing. If you want a background primer on the discussion we're going to be having on cash flow management, go back and listen to episode five and then circle back to listen to this interview. So long intro out of the way. Elle, how's it going? Good. Thanks for having me. Okay, awesome. I'm glad you didn't like zone out during my whole spiel there. So welcome. I hope that you're having a good day. So Elle, you are in Brooklyn, right? I am. Okay, so I know, well, I know that because we had lunch when I went to New York City a couple months ago. Thanks so much for eating out with my husband and I. It was super fun. But I'm over here in San Diego, so we are probably like 4,000 miles apart. But let's get started. And why don't you share just a little bit of information with my audience about your background and how you started Styled Stock Society? Sure. So I officially started my business four years ago. Um, Styled Stock Society is about three years old. So the first year or so of my business, I kind of tried everything. Um, I was consulting. I started as a marketing consultant because I had been working as a marketing director before I started my business. 
Um, I launched some online courses. I was selling digital products. I was working one-on-one -on -one with clients. And I got to the point where courses were doing really well, but I was exhausted every time I launched. And I just wanted to find some way to streamline my revenue kind of get rid of some of those ups and downs and just create recurring revenue that I knew that I could kind of guarantee every month. So I wanted to create a membership. I had no idea what I wanted to create. I just knew I wanted to create some sort of like subscription-based business. And <clears throat> I took a look at all of the opt-ins on my website and tried to figure out like what people were actually coming to me for. And I realized that over a thousand people had downloaded the set of free stock photos that I had just as like a random opt-in on my website. And I thought, okay, well, like I took these photos, I'm not a photographer, but maybe people would pay me to take photos for them on an ongoing basis, which sounds insane when I say that out loud, because it's like, why would anyone want to pay me who is not a photographer for photos on an ongoing basis? But I realized that a lot of people in my audience were following me um, because I shared a lot of resources and strategies around Instagram because I had grown this Instagram account for my dog. And I would try to teach them the strategy of how to grow their own account, but then they wouldn't actually implement it because they didn't have photos. And that was really the thing that was holding them back. So a lot of people were using these free stock photos that I had offered um, as the way to have content for their Instagram account. So I ended up pitching those a thousand or so people the idea of a stock photography subscription. And I had 150 people say yes um, before I actually created it. So I started taking some photos. In the beginning, it was just a really simple subscription where I gave people 30 photos a month. And over the past few years, it's evolved into a full like stock photography library membership. That's amazing that you're able to pre-sell 150 people into the membership. That's crazy. Yeah, it was really surprising because uh, I didn't own a camera. <laughs> which oh my is... God, it's like half of my <laughs> listeners are photographers and they're all probably pissed off right now. <laughs> I, I, I didn't even admit that for the first like two years of uh, the membership because I was just like, everyone is going to think I'm a total fraud. And I mean, I was like, I have no real photography experience training. I mean, I have experience now, I guess, but I had no training. Um, I had taken photos of my dog for her Instagram. I had taken some photos at my previous job working in marketing because I worked at a startup and we didn't have like a full-time photographer. So I would shoot some of our social content or like photos for our newsletter and things like that. But it was very amateur, I would say. And even now looking back at the photos from like 2017, um, beginning of 2018, like I'm embarrassed. I'm personally just like, wow, people paid for this. But they did, thankfully. And hey, you know what? Like, honestly, I'm to the point where like the photos I take are garbage, but I would pay someone, you know, just to also take garbage photos that I could post on my Instagram. Because when I, this is the thing is when I'm walking down the street, I never think of, oh, I should really snap a photo of this coffee that I'm drinking or of that like cool sign. It just is not at the top of my head. And then I never have photos to post. But you know what I also tell people, L, is that you don't have to have experience to have great taste. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, I was saving people time um, and allowing them to focus on whatever part of their business they were actually 
into, you know, whether it's like they're a designer or a coach or a strategist, whatever it is, like all these people who are members are not photographers. And so just having access to photos while they might not be the best photos in the world um, is definitely saving them time. And obviously over the past few years, I have worked on uh, my photography skills and have actually hired other photographers also to contribute to the membership. So it is I was going to say, you have associate photographers now too, right? Yes. Beautiful. Okay. So I feel like from the outside looking in, it looks like you've scaled this business like super quickly. I'm sure on your end, it's probably feels like three years of blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> but what I would like to dive into is we're going to talk about cash flow. And I'm really interested to see or hear how this subject kind of helped you grow your business. So can you share like how you got in to cash flow and just a little bit of a background. The reason why I invited uh, Elle onto this podcast is I, I don't just, I'm not just assuming that you've implemented this, these systems. It's because Elle and I have mastermind together. And when I heard Elle talk about uh, bringing more expenses into her business and how it didn't fit now, it might fit later based on, you know, what she targets as far as profitability. I was like, I'm going to have her on the podcast to talk about this subject. So I think it's going to be great. Yeah, I buried my I buried my question like <laughs> a minute back. To your <laughs> no, I love talking about money. Um, I actually majored in finance, and I used to be a financial advisor. So I feel like I was in a good place when I started my business in terms of just like being comfortable with dealing with money. Um, because it's what I did for like six years before I pivoted to work in marketing. So I have always wanted to prioritize profitability in my business. Um, I've never taken on any debt for my business. I have never you know, spent money that I didn't have. Um, it's always been important to me that one, I can pay all of my bills. I live in New York. My life is expensive. I want a beach house one day. So like, um, I really enjoy nice things. Like, yeah, I do. So I wanted to be able to pay myself um, a very healthy salary and also have a business that was actually profitable aside from what I paid myself. Um, I didn't really know how to make that happen logistically other than just like trying to do some basic math in the beginning. Um, but it really took, I think, reading profit first, probably a year or so into my business to start thinking about my cash flow more intentionally. Nice. Okay. So what made you decide that you wanted to read that book? I'm assuming someone probably told you about it, or did you just think like, I want to get a more intentional system in place and then go, you went and look for resources. I honestly don't remember who told me about it, but I think it just came up and it might've been like a mastermind that I was in or some sort of program that someone else said that they had implemented it in their business. And I was like, okay, like, sure, I'll read that. Um, and even though I feel like I haven't implemented everything like exactly the way that he says to do it, um, it's been really helpful in just establishing a framework for managing my cash flow. Love it. Yeah, I find not very many people implement the entire system, so that's totally fine. I am really interested, though. I don't think I knew that you used to work in finance, so that's fascinating. 
as someone with a finance background, what was your thoughts on the book? Because I've talked about it with friends who are accountants and they always have very strong opinions one way or the other. Yeah, so I think what I was doing um, in finance was very, very different from this, like totally. So I you in was- corporate finance? <clears throat> I was a high net worth financial advisor. So basically I was selling like $100,000 hedge fund investments to millionaire, like 65 year old men who had like built up wealth over the past 40 years. And one of the things that I found true pretty much across the board with all of our clients is that they weren't people who were necessarily like born super wealthy. I mean, some of them were, but it was really just the way that they had been smart about their money over a long period of time that had allowed them to accumulate this wealth. Um, <clears throat> and I think that part of like the profit first system, like, it forces you to have discipline and it forces you to, you know, essentially like over time, like you're hopefully making more money, but if you continue to spend more money too, like you won't actually have more profit, um, which is something that I think it's, it's kind of different because it's like more on the investing side rather than like cash flow and profit. Um, but it's similar in that it's, it's like the effect over time that matters. And even though right now, like it may seem like a small percentage, like the idea is that as your business grows, like you are in a healthy position because yeah, you have the framework. I really like that. He talks a lot mm -hmm. in the book about how you're, you allow your business to be a cash eating monster. And basically he's just explaining that as you start making more money, you will continue to allow yourself to spend more and more money. So you're never really profiting. And that's what you gotta kinda, cut off in the beginning. Okay, so after you got into cash flow management, what was kind of the first thing you implemented? Do you, did you go open all the bank accounts? So at the time, I think I had two main accounts. So I had like the account that everything went into and then like a business savings account. Um, so I added two additional accounts. And so now I have four total Per business. I have like three different businesses, so I have lots of accounts. Um, but let's say I have four for any given business. Um, so I have like a main account that everything goes into. I have what I call my like profit account, which is really profit plus owner's pay. And then a like working capital account, which is essentially my operating expenses account, and then my tax account. Love it. Do you have a different tax account for each business? Yes. Okay. Interesting. So I feel like you and I could do like an advanced, like an advanced cash flow workshop at some point for my students. Cause a lot of that is getting kind of, it, it would be overwhelming to everyone who's listening now who hasn't really dug into the system, but I ended up creating one tax account for both my businesses, but that's because both of my businesses are pass-throughs. So I'm just paying tax for my personal self, if that makes sense. Once you have an S-Corp uh, or a C-Corp, then you probably need to have different tax accounts for each business. Again, that's like probably more advanced. But if you guys are confused at this point, one of the, like one of the foundational pillars of profit, the profit first system 
is that you have, I think he actually advises seven total bank accounts for your business. Which I think is crazy. That's like just so many accounts. Yeah, it's a lot. What I do is I have kind of my, my own system. You can actually download my freebie on it. I talk about all the different accounts you need to have and then how to structure them all. If you just go to the website, unfuckyourbiz.com, you can click freebies and download it. But what I recommend is having an income account, an owner's expense account, an owner's pay account, and then I use a phone app to automatically save for taxes and profit. Yeah, the automated thing, I like want to get on board, but I'm also, I don't know, I think part of it is I'm a control freak and I really enjoy looking at my numbers. So it's like part of my weekly routine. Like I like to update my spreadsheet and I like to like manually know like exactly how much is going into each account. Um, but obviously it would save time to just have it right. automatically. So my guidance is Elle is probably at a point in her business where she has consistent revenue. She's probably paying herself. A, I don't know why I'm talking about you in the third person. <laughs> dialogue. You are probably paying yourself a consistent amount of money. So you don't really need to worry about having the money there to set it aside for taxes. Right. The main reason why I teach automation is because myself included and most of my students lack the self-control to actually set the money aside unless it's automatically being snatched from their bank account before they go in and do their allocations. So once you have, um, and especially because you operate on a membership model, so you have recurring revenue, it's going to be a lot easier for you to predict what's coming in every month than someone who works uh, you know, as a wedding photographer where they have seasonal income, it's a client-based model. And so you probably know when you go check your bank account, like what's gonna be in there every time before you do your allocations. Yeah, I do. I think 10, 10 months of the year, it's like super, super consistent. I mean, within like a couple thousand dollars each month. And then the other two months of the year, uh, we have really big spikes in revenue because I have a sale that we run like in the summer and then for Black Friday. And I know both of those months um, are like really big outliers in terms of revenue, but they're also predictable in that like I know they're going to be like three to four times like any other month. Perfect. And before I forget, remind me to grab a link for your Black Friday promotion so we can put it in the show notes. Will do. Yeah, two of the five people to listen to this episode might want to jump on that, so... I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I was kidding. I, I get more downloads than that. Okay. So when you started implementing the system, what kind of targets did you set? So the way the, the way the profit first works is they have you set what they call uh, current allocation percentages and then target allocation percentages. And basically that's just a fancy way of saying you're going to set a goal for where you eventually want to get what percentage of your income are you paying towards expenses versus yourself versus taxes? When you started out, can you share a little bit of information about like where you were versus like where you wanted to go and where you are now? Yeah, so it actually hasn't changed a whole lot. I think the biggest thing, I was like already saving for taxes. I was already paying myself like pretty regularly. Um, I was like, I didn't really call it profit, but I was saving money separately in my business like that was the profit um and then obviously i had operating expenses that i was aware of so i i think partially because i come from this like finance background um have been relatively conservative in my expenses in my business um and i realized 
after reading Private First that my expenses were actually a lot lower than what most businesses look like. Um, so I think the biggest thing that's really changed is I've upped my operating expenses budget over the past couple of years, which was really hard for me because I kind of came from a place of like, no, like I shouldn't be spending all this money, but I guess it's normal. So at the time I was spending like less than 20% um, on operating expenses and I've bumped that up to about 30% currently. That's still pretty, considering that I know that you have contractors, that's still a pretty, pretty lean <clears throat> percent. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that I have definitely prioritized in terms of how I spend or don't spend my money. Yeah. So when I did mine, you guys, just, just for some context, when I did mine, uh, just a couple months ago, this was actually, so I dug into this when we were in New York, cause I read, um, I was like listening to the audiobook and looking at all my numbers on the flight and my expenses were at 60%. And I'm like a solo show. So <laughs> I know Ella's like the fuck Brayden, like, what's going on? So that is why I'm now sitting in a home office recording this podcast. Because I realized like the, the rent that I was paying for a dedicated office, while I really enjoyed having it, it was a luxury, it wasn't a necessity, and I really needed to work on getting this percentage down. So I'm targeting to get down to 30%. That's my goal, and I'm hoping to be there in about three months. The nice thing is, is um, for all of you guys that are listening, I'm planning on in a couple months, I'm going to start doing monthly profit report. <clears throat> profit reports. Oh my God. I got choked up just saying that. That's how nervous <laughs> I am about it. So I'm going to be sharing like basically my P&Ls on the podcast and you're all going to kind of hold my feet to the fire to help me get this expense allocation down. But the reason why I'm doing it is so everyone can see that it's not just people who know nothing about this, who are letting their expenses get out of control. Can I just say, I'm so happy, one, that you called it a profit report um, and that you're really showing the P&L because so many people, I think, who share things like that, they share what they call an income report and they will share, like, I made $50,000 last month, but then they won't tell you that they spent $35,000 on Facebook ads. And that drives me insane. Yeah, Especially as someone who's like, uh, I spent $0 on ads last month, actually. So... <laughs> Elle's like, let's compare margins. All right. Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. No, I, yeah, it's going to be a profit report. Um, I'm a little, like a little afraid to do it. Cause I'm going to have to be like open and honest about my numbers, but I think it will be helpful. And my goal in the future is actually to bring some other business owners on the podcast to see if they'd be willing to do this as well. We'll see that might be a stretch, but let's also talk about kind of your monthly routine. So you said you're really into your spreadsheet. But do you have a system? I, I know you well enough to know that since you use EOS, you probably have standing, standard operating procedures for all this stuff. So what does that look like? Yeah, so and I feel like this sounds a little old school to anyone who's like using any sort of automation, which is weird because I'm really in automation in a lot of parts of my business. But when it comes to like numbers, I really just like to like manually do this um, every week. So every Friday, I is when I like update my spreadsheet and do transfers. Um, and it's just like for everything that happened that week, um, I do 20% goes towards taxes, 30% um, goes towards operating expenses. And then 40% is, wait, is that right? 
now okay, I'm 20 just and like, 30s hold on. The total. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so 20, 20 and 30, yeah, 40% um, is owner's pay and then 10% profit. Got it. So 30%, yeah, 30% yeah. <laughs> expenses, 20% tax, 40% owner's pay, 10% profit. Yes. Yeah, and those guys, um, just at, at an FYI, those sound like very kind of standard percentages for a really healthy business, I should note as well. So if you're not there yet, like don't worry about it. A lot of people will start out doing like one to 2% to profit and then with their expenses at like 50 or 40% and you're kind of trying to bring the one down and bring the other one up. That's the goal. Elle decided she actually needed to start spending more money and I'm assuming it's because you highly value your time. So you realized if you upped your owner's uh, or if you upped your operating expense account from 20 to 30%, you could hire some more people and maybe work a little bit less. Exactly. Yeah. In the beginning, I was super frugal, which is like crazy to me to think about because I'm, I'm not really frugal in my like personal life, but for some reason I had a lot of issues like spending money in my business. So literally when I started Styled Stock Society the first month, I was like, I, I mean, I didn't even own a camera. Like I borrowed one from my husband. Um, who actually had a nice DSLR because he used to do wedding videos. So it's not like I started with like an iPhone or whatever, but I didn't want to spend any money on like props or like anything to take photos of, but like, I obviously had to take photos of things. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to take photos of things in my office that I already own. So everything was in my brand colors. I spent $16 on pink peonies from like the corner deli. And that was it. Like I spent $16. In the I'm, first just, month. I'm just, I'm just imagining you like walking through West Elm and Bloomingdale's like staging stock photos. <laughs> <laughs> no, but thankfully I have an uncle that uh, works for West Elm. So my apartment is West Elm. Oh, nice. I worked, I worked there for two years. Fun fact. I I'm also just imagining, I feel like Elle, Elle was having this, um, I'm still talking about you in the third person. I don't know why. I think it's because you know, I'm talking to my audience, right? So I'm just imagining that you were really lean in your business. So once you got that owner's pay money, you could like buy your Louis Vuitton never full bag. I mean, I'm not that basic, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So now like, we're really going to piss some people off. <laughs> That's like what everyone wants, right? It's that bag. So, okay. So I feel like Wait, yes. Sorry, I'm getting us like really off the, off the I know, this is really off topic, but like I have strong feelings about this. Um, I feel like in certain cities like Boston, Washington, D.C., like I don't know about the West Coast, honestly. Like, yes, that is like the, the like go-to ideal like tote bag for like the professional woman who's like, you know, like I, I have like my designer tote bag. I, it's like not the case in New York. It's like everyone's like, that's the basic bag, but okay. So in New York, in New York thing. City, in New York City, they turn their nose up at Louis Vuitton, or just that bag in particular. I, I don't even think it's turn their nose up. It's just like, oh yeah, like so many people, like <laughs> have them, which sounds awful. But like it's like everyone has one of those. So like you don't want that. You want like something a Birkin bag, I guess. They're just like a Goyard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. I, I probably have like a handful of guy listeners who are like, what the fuck's going on, Brayden? My, um, I do have a friend who I told her that we're going to Paris next year and she's already told me she's been, been mowing me money to buy her that Louis Vuitton bag. I was like, all right, sure, let's do it. Yeah, it totally I, makes more sense to do it in Europe. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I'm personally going to get myself something at Gucci, but that's, again, a whole different thing. You and I can have a phone, a phone call. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm here for it, though. You guys, on one of my, on my old podcasts, we got into a 20-minute conversation about politics at the end. Like, no apologies. I didn't edit it out. I just kept it in there. It's fine. But I think we got through, actually, all the questions I wanted to dig, dig into on cash flow stuff. Is there any other, like, last bits of wisdom you want to impart on the Unfuck Your Biz with Braden listeners? So I think the most important thing is really just tracking your expenses. I mean, even if, even if you're not actually going to implement, like, a cash flow system, which you should, just being aware of like where your money is going can be very eye-opening, whether you're spending a lot more than you thought or a lot less than you thought. I think it's something that you don't really know unless you're actually looking at the numbers. Yeah, I love that. I And, and even like we could get into really complex bookkeeping for this, but honestly, like I have a notebook and in my notebook, I have a list of every single thing that I have on recurring payments, which uh, Elle would tell us is a great thing to do as a business owner, but maybe don't do that if you're potentially gonna be one of her members. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I feel the same way. I'm like, guys, like you really need to track your memberships, but also definitely sign up for my membership. But I have a list of all of my monthly expenses. And when I added that up, I could not believe how much shit I had just on monthly recurring auto pay. Like I was paying $50 a month for Adobe Creative Cloud and I still don't know how to use Photoshop. So I canceled that, <laughs> like canceled a bunch of other stuff and immediately was able to cut out like 250 bucks, which, you know, either that's 250 more dollars in my pocket every month or it actually allowed me to sign up for a membership that I really want, had been wanting to do. Yeah, I would like to say that I review all my recurring payments on a regular basis, but honestly, it's probably like once a year, which at least it's once a year, but I always notice like at least a few hundred dollars of stuff that could be canceled. Right. What I am planning on doing is I actually have started it. So I've since started using Trello. And so I have a Trello card in there that has a card for every recurring payment I have. And so that way, every time I sign up for a new one, whether it's $5 or $300, I just add that card on there. And then it has basically a perfectly up-to-date synopsis of what I'm paying for every month. So you all can do that too in whatever system you use. That's super smart. I know. This is like the best reminder because I know last year around Black Friday, um, I like started a bunch of subscriptions because they were like all discounted. And so I know like the end of November this year, I'm going to like have a surprise like $2,000 of recurring things that like hit because they're annual payments. Yeah. So on your Trello card, like put what the expense is. And then if you pay for it annually, which is always recommended because you save money if you do that, then note like when it renews. So you can go cancel it if you need to. I think like the only one I have on mine that I've been meaning to cancel for a while is I'm still paying like $7 a month for Evernote. And I stopped using it like eight months ago. So it's on my it's on my list of things to do, but I'm like, oh, it's seven dollars. I'll do it later. But my favorite one is I I pay ninety nine cents a month for ringback tones. I've never used a ringback tone, but I like can't cancel it without speaking to a human being at Verizon. So I pay twelve dollars a, a year. <laughs> 
Yeah, you guys, so this is to actually, that's so funny. To actually get this stuff canceled, you have to kind of turn it into a game. So what I did, I, you, you can gamify anything. I was like, I want to see the total dollar amount that I can get cut out of my monthly expenses. And then I got kind of into it just over the span of two days. And so I was like calling customer service to cancel $5 monthly memberships. And what I'm doing, I'm launching the Unfuck Your Biz signature program in a couple of weeks is we're going to be doing this in week four of the program. And I'm going to have everyone report. We have a group Trello board. And so I'm going to have everyone report on the Trello board how much they were able to cut out of their monthly expenses that month. And then we're going to add up the grand total and like have a big virtual party about it. That sounds so fun. I'm like super competitive. So I'm like, I want to save more money than you. <laughs> yeah, I imagine some people are like going to go sign up for shit so that they can cancel. They'd <laughs> be like, oh, I just canceled $2,000. But yeah, it's going to be really exciting because I think it's going to, it'll be a big light bulb moment for people because they're going to be shocked at how much they can save out of their monthly budget. I give a lot of tips about this on episode number five. So if you guys are really intrigued and you haven't listened to it, do that. I shared how I got my monthly phone bill down by like 20 bucks a month and a whole bunch of stuff. I was on the negotiation team in law school. So I kind of just love this, this shit as well. Here for it. All right. So I think that's it. We probably ran about 30 minutes, which is a solid episode, a lot of good content. I might bring you back on at some point. If we do like more cash flow topics, then we could come on and talk about like advanced cash flow stuff or other things. Maybe I'll have you come talk in the membership if you're down for it. But uh, thanks so much for coming on, Elle. Thanks for having me. I definitely feel like I could talk for another hour about this. I'm like, we just like skimmed the surface here. <laughs> like, Yeah, we really did just skim the surface. It's hard to like do a deep dive because I don't know, like everyone that's listening, I don't know how into this you are, but I might, like I might, we might plan a more advanced episode and then like be very adamant that people go listen to the prior content first. Yeah. So just to recap everyone, um, make sure you go listen to episode five if you haven't already, then you can listen to this episode again. I'm gonna have more of these episodes coming. So I've already recorded one that's gonna be here in a few weeks with a couple other business owners about how they've been implementing cash flow. So you can look forward to that. And then again, uh, just to remind you all, I do have a few different master classes next week on the 20th and 22nd. That's Wednesday and Friday. We're going to dig more into this topic. I'll give some tips. It's uh, getyourshitlegit.com to register. And as always, don't forget to uh, leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. You can leave a positive review. You can read a hateful review. Either way, I might read it on, on the podcast. All reviews are great for the uh, podcast algorithm, so I appreciate it either way. And as always, thanks so much for tuning in, and I hope that you have a great day. Hey there. Before you go, I wanted to give a quick thanks. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. If you loved it, I would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode or snap a quick selfie while you are listening. Share it on social and give me a tag. It'll help other kick-ass entrepreneurs like yourself find the show. That's it for today. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Meanwhile, let's roll up our sleeves and unfuck that biz.